Gentlemen, ladies, are you ready for some steak? Awesome. Remember what we were speaking about last week, you know, and the week before that? And we're going to be staying on this topic for a while because we believe it is uh, very, very pertinent for us to make the separation between our flesh and our spirit. Amen? Very, very important. Can anyone throw out something that they got from last week? I'm taking a big chance here with... Anybody? Anybody? Anything from last week? You don't know or you're just too shy? Which one is it? <laughs> Bit of both. Bit of both. Awesome. Okay, so we'll, we'll jump straight back into it. So if you guys remember, I used an example last week because we are talking about the spirit man and the carnal man. Amen? And what we spoke about is how death reigns in the carnal mind. Okay? And the Bible says that to be carnally minded is to, is to be dead. Amen? Carnally minded Christians are dead Christians. There is no power flowing through their lives. Although there is a reservoir of heaven's own power residing inside of them, there is no power flowing in their lives. Nothing. There is no wisdom governing their decisions. There is no supernatural healing in their bodies. There is no sign of a connection that is going beyond the veil of the flesh. Amen? What is the veil of the flesh? Can anyone tell me? What is your flesh, discipleship school students? Your flesh is simply your mind, your will, and your emotions. With a broken conscience, right smack bang in the middle of it, if you do not rise above that, press through that veil, nobody on this planet is going to experience God through you. Because you can be filled with heaven, praying in tongues, prophesying, doing all the gifts, doing all those kinds of things, and still have a carnal mind. Yeah. Are you with me, guys? And that's what the scriptures say. So we're going to go back to our... our um, foundational scripture we used last week, which was in Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 4. Thank you, Annie. Let's read that together. So remember, Paul is writing to the to Corinthians, very cultured, very wise people. They used to see themselves as wisdom seekers, okay? And he was battling with things uh, that were happening in the church. They were reborn. The church was established for a couple of years already. But what was happening was these guys were using old fleshly maps. So they would even go and worship God and bring in their old religious rubbish where they would be having uh, sex worship in, in the temples uh, to God. Now, are, you, are you guys with me? Now, Paul is writing them a letter and he's like, he's not, he's not condemning them of their sin. He's not saying that God has left you and you are on your way to hell. But, God, but Paul is contending with a carnal mind. So what he's saying to himself is he's saying, before I even write this thing, I've got to know who I'm writing to. I'm writing to a reborn person in, a, in the body of Christ, but they are dead. And what he tries to do is he tries to encourage them. And he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? How can you live like this? When you have the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead residing inside of you. And Paul goes on to say this. He says, and, and our brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people. Man, that's such an indictment. If I had to 
uh, uh, be sitting at home and my pastor had to come to me and he said, listen, I, or write me a letter and he said, you know what, Didi, I wanted to write you a letter about life and things that are happening in the, in the heavens and the earth, spiritual things, mature things. But while I was writing this letter, I took stock of who I was writing to. And Didi, you know what? Unfortunately, I can't share any of those things with you. Oh, why, Pastor? Why? Because if I had to tell you about these things, it could actually damage you. Because you've remained a baby. You have not grown in the Lord. Are you with me? I use the example of a baby who's six months old, little Malachi was here, where is he here today? Oh, there he is, hey Malachi, what's up buddy? So we use him as an example, he's old, how old now? He's five months. And we look at Malachi and we look at this miracle, we look at this perfection. And then you know the doctors do the whole 10 point, uh, what do they call that thing babe? When they, are, are you okay brother? <laughs> Did you have a rough Saturday or what? Had a rough stewardship. <laughs> Sure. Mr. Stewart, the balance as well, eh? <laughs> so we look at him, and you know if doctors, you know, they do that 10-point check or whatever when the baby's born or whatever, and they check the length and the weight and uh, all that kind of stuff. And now if we all had to go and examine little Malachi over there, we'd see, you know, he's, he's sort of a normal baby. He might be a little bit taller than average. He might be a little bit shorter than average. He might be a little more cuter than average. Who knows? But... What happens is, we would all sit here and we would go, what a blessing, what a miracle, praise God, wouldn't we? Amen, what a gift to us all. But, if three years go by, and Malachi walks in here with his mom still on a titi bottle, in a pram, his legs haven't grown, his ears haven't grown, his hands haven't grown, nothing has changed after three years, guess what? We're all going to sit back and go, well, hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen, something's wrong. Would we not? Isn't that logical? So what's the difference in your spiritual walk? What would be the difference? You see, immediately what we'd have to do, we'd have to find out, okay, is there a hormone issue? Is there something that's stunting his growth? What is it? Is there a disease? Praise God, there's nothing on Malachi's life. He is totally pure. Amen? But, using it as, as an example, if there was a problem, we would have to go and find out what's stunting the growth, what the disease is. And what Paul is talking about here is he's talking about, he's saying, you have a disease. If you are a reborn Christian and you still walk, talk, look the same, think the same, pray the same, Behave the same. After three years of walking with the Lord, you have a disease inside you. It's called carnality. And we have to be delivered from that mindset. Why? Because you will not move forward until you understand that carnality is the impotence of your flesh. It cannot produce life for you. But on the other side... It has a ravaging power that will destroy your spiritual life. Are you with me? So we cannot afford to stay in the same place. We have to grow. He says, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ, I, f I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, the works of the flesh, are you not carnal? 
behaving like mere men. For when one says, I am of Paul, and the other says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to look deep. We've got to look deep. We've got to see, are we growing? Because remember, where there's growth, that means there's health. Where there's health, there's always growth. Amen? And this is what Paul is talking to us about. And he's, and, he's, and he's putting us under the conviction now of the flesh. He's convicting our flesh. He is not condemning, he's convicting. And he's saying there's another conviction that has to take place in a Christian man's life after the conviction that brought him to saving faith. So what was the first one? The first one was, you know what? I know I can't live like this. I know my sins need to be forgiven. Father, will you please come and live in my heart? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm dying to myself, and I'm now alive in Christ. I'm becoming a reborn Christ, a Christian. I choose you. Amen? That's the first conviction. But the state of the carnal mind hasn't been dealt with. Are you with me, folks? And we are speaking about certain things. There's a lot of recap from last week, but I want to go over this stuff because it's so important. We speak about folks, when we sit and listen to them, and they always speak about... And you know, the first six months of my, 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 when I got reborn, the first six months, I was, man, I had power over sin. I had power over my thoughts. I had power over these things. I was floating. I was, man, you name it, I was cooking with God. But you know what? I've, I've sort of, uh, I don't have that feeling anymore. I'm not walking in that power anymore. Mm. I'm not experiencing reigning in my own heart, in my own life like I used to. Why? Why? Are you guys with me? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We're going to give a couple of examples of what it looks like, but we've got to be so careful. We are not of this place, folks. Yeah. We are not of this world. We're not allowed to conform to the patterns and the images that are put out here, which we are told bring life or are life. Are you with me? I'm sorry to break the news to you about, about a carnal man and a spiritual man, but if I don't, I wouldn't be worth the salt of a pastor. We have to deal with these things. Yeah. Amen? What's the use you get redeemed by the power of Christ from Adam, the place of sin, brought into life, now you are a slave to righteousness, but you never change your mindset, you never seek after the value to walk in Christ. And now Christ says, my blood has done the work, but now to lead you into life, I give you my spirit. And you never, ever walk with the Holy Spirit the way you are called to. Mm. The Holy Spirit is now here. The Christ's blood has done the job. Now the Holy Spirit is here to lead you into all truth, all life, all wisdom, all knowledge, yeah. all power, all strength, all, everything that you need at any time of your life. Mm. Amen? Amen. So we've got to make sure that we are appropriating the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Absolutely. Ah, it's stuck. There we go. Ash, you're giving me the clumsiness this morning, man. Yes, see. How's it, guys? <laughs> so to the, uh, um, to the point you were making about the first six months, you know, and, and um, how after that a lot of Christians get cold, you know, and we've seen it in our church over the years, is that people come and they're like, wow, this place is my home. I love everyone here. It's so brilliant. Wow, Jesus, it's crazy. 
And then after three months, four months, five months, six months, seven months, then you don't see them. And then they're like, you know, I tried the Jesus thing. You know, it's a bit too tough for me. I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it's not working for me. Um, then you get the other ones who say, you know, it's okay, it's tough, but I'm pressing on. It's going to be fine. You know, but the call for the believer is leave the old and embrace the new. That is it, you know. And, um, and I was having a chat with a young man last week. He's also in this kind of space where, you know, everything's new and, um, you know, it's exciting and, wow, there's so much love and peace and joy and all these things. But slowly, little things he's saying is like creeping in uh, about how he now wants to do things the way that he was doing them before. You, you know what I'm saying? And I made a statement to him that sobered him up a bit, and I said, you know, you need to understand something, that if you come to Jesus, but you still choose to hold on to the old, right, that new peace and joy and love and everything that you're feeling, you must get ready to lose it. Are you with me? Because you must remember, like we said, the flesh, right? All the ways of old were formed independent of God, independent of his wisdom, of his understanding, of his righteousness. Are you guys with me? So when we look at the ways of old now in light of being in Christ, we must relate the ways of old to death, guys. We need to make that decision in our own hearts. Are you with me? Now, we're not talking about what needs to be done. Everyone understands, you know, you've got to go to work. You've got to, you know, look after your family. You've got to look after your body. Everyone knows what needs to be done. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to do it his way. Are you with me? And this disease of carnality that we're talking about this morning, and I mean, we've been dealing with it last week, and I think the, the feedback was quite hectic, you know, during the week. People were like, what? I'm like, yeah, well, listen, this is what, what Jesus came to explain. This is what Paul went even deeper into. Are you guys with me? And, and when we're looking at this disease of carnality, you need to remember that as a believer, you're constantly wrestling with the truth of whether or not there is more in the world whether there's more in Jesus, right? But the problem that we face is that the case for whether there's more in Jesus or not is not going to be made by anyone except ourselves. Are you with me? So just like how this level of value that we have attached to the world, you know, this level of value that we've attached to the world through experience, through circumstance, through understanding, through study, right? We need to go through the same process to determine as to whether or not there is an equivalent or greater value in Jesus. Are you guys with me? Now, a lot of Christians find themselves in the position to say, okay, but yes, we should worship God. Stop. We should worship God. And I asked the guy this. I said, why? And he says, no, because he's God. I was like, but wait, what do you mean? Is him being God valuable to you? Is him being God fear-based to you? You know, what is it? And he looked at me confused because like, no, I just know I have to worship God. It's like, but wait, bro. <laughs> You're forgetting the simple thing that you are still a soul. And what you connect to is what you find value in. So the process of now building the case for yourself through the word, through experiencing God in your heart that he is valuable and he is life still needs to happen continually. It is the process of repentance that the Bible tells us about, that every single day we should be changing our perspective, changing the way we're thinking about life and about people in light of who God is. 
because of the experience that we're having in him. Are, are you guys with me? And a lot of Christians, they come in and they, you know, they, 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 they experience the love, they experience the peace. They're like, wow, God is amazing. They're reading all these things. But they're going about life in the same way that they've known. And in, in Matthew chapter 9, I don't know if we're going to go there. Okay, we'll go there. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, go to verse 14, please. 9.14. And Jesus is, uh, he, he, you know, a lot of times when you read the, the Gospels, sometimes you think, it's like, Jesus, that was a weird answer. <laughs> it's like, they asked you a question, but did you give the answer? You know, and you go and read deeper, and you're like, okay, no, he did. But to them, seemingly, it was like, well, what are they actually, you know, what are they getting from him? And it says here, then John's disciples... Uh, yeah. Then John's disciples came to him and asked, uh, came and asked him, "How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast?" Right? And this is Jesus's answer. Now, they, <laughs> again, it, it seems like it's a bit indirect, right? Jesus answered and he says, "How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them." then they will fast. Now, that seems random. It's like, okay, Jesus, we asked you about fasting, but you're talking about a bridegroom. What are you, what are you saying, right? Now, when you, when you actually look how the, the Jewish people went to fast, it was always in a sense of mourning. Are you with me? But the emphasis that he's making is that, is that guys, you are fasting because I'm not with you. But why are you telling my disciples to fast now that I'm here with them? What are they mourning? There's no mourning for them if I'm with them. Right? And he gives this example because he's drawing the contrast between the ways of the old and now the new ways that Jesus is giving us. And let's go to 16. It says here that no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment and making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined right? No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Are you guys with me? Now, let's, for, this, for the purpose of this illustration, okay, let's say that we're the wineskin, okay? We're the wineskin. Jesus comes with his new wine, right? And he pours it into us, being old in comparison to him, we're going to get destroyed, right? As he said, yeah, they're going to burst. Then we lose the wine and the wineskin, okay? But we understand that in the New Testament, right, the New Covenant, we've been made what? A new creation. Are you with me? And we touched on it last week where we spoke about how the capacity to understand the things of God is now inherent in our new nature. Are you with me? Our walk is no longer a matter of intellect or all these things. Our walk now is a matter of transitioning to the new way of doing things because you see what happens is is now when we try and tell people about the love of God the grace of God the salvation of Jesus and everything but in their heart they have not accepted and believed that right through faith they haven't believed that what's going to happen is the love of God the grace of God the, the the hope the purpose everything all these amazing things about God becomes burdensome it becomes heavy it becomes something that they can never take hold of. Why? Because their current uh, uh, wineskin, for this example, is purely carnal. Bash, what are you saying? Okay, let's break it down. So God, I'm God. Did he? Okay, you be God. You're wearing white. Yeah, you're wearing a nice color today. You be God. 
Okay, I'm me, right? These are eyes. Because <laughs> I can see. Okay. So, so if Diddy's God, right, and he comes to me and he says, Bash, I love you. And you know what? I died for your sins. You are forgiven, right? But me being carnal, right, living only by what I've experienced, what I've learned, my circumstances, the relationships I've had and everything, all that physical evidence, and I say, no, you can't love me. I'm not worthy to be loved. You can't forgive me. I haven't, I haven't made amends. I haven't asked for forgiveness. I haven't even apologized or made my wrongs right. Are you guys with me? He says to me that I'm his masterpiece. I'm going to say, no, but I'm a mess. You don't know what I've done. Can you see that that old wineskin is even causing the new wine to be rejected? Can you see the two don't go together? Now, what happens Right? Why, why did Jesus say both the wine and the wineskin will be lost? Right? The word of God is the word of God. Amen? It never changes. It's eternal. It will not pass away. Right? God himself said the only thing he holds higher than himself is his word. Right? Now what happens is, is that you hear this message of hope. You hear about you know, this, 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 this uh, um, abundant life that Jesus wants to offer you. You hear about this forgiveness and all these things. Right? But instead of mixing it with faith, you stay in the carnal. Do you know what happens when you are overwhelmed by all the condemnation, the guilt, and the suffering, and in your own heart, you start to believe that God has left you, that God does not deliver, that, that, that God is not who he says he is? Do you, know, do you know what happens? You actually end up worse off than where you were. Because now, listen, the Bible teaches us this principle. What? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? Now, you can go through many sicknesses in your life, but a sick heart is always going to be the worst one. I promise you, right? So when you met there and you were like, you heard this message, you're like, wow, cool. But you never prioritized moving away from the old and abiding in the new. What's going to happen is that hope that you had, because remember, his life is itself, eh? He's not hope that you're going to get a promotion. He's not hope that you, you know, something's going to work out in your life. He's, he's hope that you will live. It is, he's the highest hope you'll ever find in life. But if you hold to the carnal, if you hold to the old man, and you get disappointed from the hope of life himself, what's the consequence? You're going to die. That's why people who, who, who have turned away from God, they'll tell you, it's like, I tried this Jesus thing. You know, I tried it. It didn't work for me. It was too heavy. You know, it was, ugh, it was too much of this. And I just felt like I couldn't pay the price. You know, all this stuff. And the truth is, is because as much as you heard the word, but you have not mixed it with faith. Faith is what? Trust in him. What happens now is that your heart breaks even more. You lose even the hope that you had. Are you guys with me? And this walk with Jesus, guys, you need to understand, it's, it's a black and white. It's, it's, it's a black and a white, right? The, the shirts. Not, I'm not that dark, right? <laughs> but it's the shirts, right? It's, it's, there's no middle ground here because wherever you're you, you holding on to middle ground, you are going to be frustrated. You're going to be limited. You're going to be powerless. And, you want, and you're going to do one of two things as a believer, because obviously we understand that the teachings confuse people. But the one of two things, what is it? God's doing this to me, I'm going to pass. Yeah? God, why are you doing this to me? Yeah, it's a test. I'm going to pass, Lord. You know? I'm so broken. 
But you know, God is good. Do you know all the stuff you're going to do that? Or you're going to be like, eh, I don't know about this Jesus dude. It's fine, you know? But it's amazing that he says, he gives to us like the world doesn't. He says to us that if you are weary and heavy burdened and lay heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Right? And what we do in our carnality, we take the word rest. And we take it in how we've experienced rest. And we measure Jesus against that. We don't come to Jesus and say, let me experience your rest. We take our definition of life that we've experienced and we hold Jesus to that. We don't come to him and say, show me your definition of life. Show me what your life looks like. Can you see why carnality becomes a disease, guys? Can you see how it kills you slowly every day after day after day? You're burning energy, you're burning time, you're burning all these things to try and keep up with God or connect with God. But the key is actually disconnecting from the flesh like you're talking about and starting to experience life in Jesus through the Spirit. Amen. It's so, it's so simple, guys. It, it is a, a very simple concept, but our emotions and our feelings and our desires and all these things that we carry in our hearts that we haven't dealt with confuse and, and muddy everything up for us. You know? The only way to get out of carnality is to go full spiritual. You can't get, the, you can't get uh, uh, delivered from your flesh. We can't go and take you to some big deliverance ministry and they pray for you and that your flesh jumps out. Okay? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So the only way out of the flesh is to go full spiritual. You have to make that decision. If you don't, you know, a lot of people say, you know, that's a backslidden Christian. A backslidden Christian is somebody who used to attend church, used to do this now, they used to do that, but they've backslidden. And you know what? They've made that choice. Do you know that they haven't even made that choice? They just haven't managed their emotions as a, as a, as a child of God. They haven't, they haven't managed their heart. They haven't uh, um, seen the value in walking in the Spirit. And what's happened is the absence of the Spirit in their life has caused them to drift away. That's how you drift. If You must understand, feelings of guilt and condemnation and, and all those things, those, are, those things are called death. You know why they're called death? Because they have actually no power. Just, there's no source of power behind them. They're just dead feelings. The only power they have is the fact that there's no life counteracting them. So if you stay in those feelings, you're dead. But if you bring the spirit to contend with those feelings, there's a force of, and a power of life that comes into the soul. And, you know, just like if we switched all the lights off in this room, it would be complete black. There will be, no, be no light. What is, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of energy, light. So there's no power. There's nothing. But the moment we switch the lights on, the energy comes into this room and it, the darkness flees. Switch the lights off, the darkness covers. It's all a choice. It's all a choice. Are you with me? It's all a choice. So the thing is, is that people are not even turning away on purpose. 
they just neglecting the spiritual man. And through the neglect, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not uh, exerting a certain amount of pressure against the tide, what happens? I just get swept away. Amen? I actually have to resist the tithe so that I, can, I don't get swept away downstream. Amen? And that's something that's never going to go away. That's something that you have to take care of every day. That's something that you have to apply. You have to apply the word. You have to renew the mind. You have to repent from those feelings. You have to repent from those things, and you need to see value. Encourage yourself to see the value in the word of God, to see the value in the spiritual man, to see the value in walking free like Jesus did. Are you with me? I mean, I made a statement last week, and I said, the problem with carnality, carnal Christians, is they don't need God anymore. They've, they've been sucked downstream into the system. They're in the world system. And everything can be supplied by the devil. He has set up a flesh supermarket that has everything you need on the shelves. We spoke about it last week. If you're feeling lonely and you haven't been dating, you don't have companionship, you just go take a picture of yourself and put it up on Tinder. Holy schmoly, I hope you don't do that. <laughs> Tinder's there. I'll find a partner. Get rid of this loneliness. I've got a headache. Let me run after some tablets. I'm sick. Let me go see the doctor. I've got financial issues. Let me swipe my credit card. You've got all these things. Are you with me? They are available to us. And those things just keep us and they hold us in that place where we never supersede the flesh by the Spirit and learn to walk with the Lord in those, uh, through those belief systems. Let me tell you something, guys. I was programmed by a mother who if I just sneezed or farted, I had to go and take antibiotics. I was wired. I mean, you're too scared to cough at home. You're like... <laughs> Hey, what is, is that? It, if you let it out, <coughs> come here, antibiotics. And we didn't know any better. So I grew such a wired uh, uh, um, belief in my heart that, listen, every time something happens, I have to take antibiotics. Do you know how difficult it was for me to kick up against that tide and learn how to beat infections in my life with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. What a mindset change. But guess what? One victory in that area brought victory in every other area. Because I didn't just lay in my flesh and take the available thing that can help me stay comfortable. Yeah. I decided, no, I'm going to go read a bit. Okay. I know everybody hates reading. <laughs> I'm going to go read a bit. I'm going to research a bit. I want to see. Because you know what? There was millions of people that lived much longer than I did before antibiotics were around. How did they make it? Practical questions. Open my heart to the Holy Spirit. Next moment, you actually become wise, even yeah. though you're not so wise. Yeah. You know? And then I did it. Then I'm researching this, researching that. Find out these herbs work just as good. A little bit of garlic can, is a natural antibiotic. This year, this year. You can actually avoid going to the doctor and taking uh, this medicine that takes away the symptoms but destroys the rest of the, rest of the body. Mm. Are you with me? That takes kicking up against the grain, folks. 
What is the grain? It's the strong tide that is flushing towards you every day that's speaking to your comfortability, speaking to your flesh. And all it, its job is, is to keep you at a six-month-old baby so that eventually you never grow and you never have hope in your life for anything. That's it. And it holds you in the pattern of the world, and then you won't be able to have hope outside the next invention. How, you won't be able to have hope outside the next medical breakthrough. You won't be able to have hope outside of the government's decisions. You won't be able to have hope in anything because you've never exercised the power of the spirit man inside of you. That's right. That's how the world locks you in. The world will hold you there until you die. It will drown you. I promise you. That's how it's designed. That's how it's designed. It's, it's counterfeit solutions. It's counterfeit blessings. It's counterfeit power. Outsourcing. Just like James said, it's outsourcing. We go to the source. Let's take a practical example. Okay, so you're a young lady, you haven't dated in a while, you're feeling a bit lonely. Why is everyone giggling? <laughs> so instead of doing it... Oh, Jared's laughing. Jared, are you a young lady? <laughs> are you good? Yeah. <laughs> so instead of, instead of uh, doing it uh, um, the godly way, because the Bible says that uh, the promises come to those who, through faith and patience, patience okay, pursue them. Okay. So, feeling a little bit lonely, take a picture, put it up on Tinder. I'm a needy place. I need to satisfy this thing right now. Unbeknown to you, there's another desperate dude on the other side of the internet who has flicked through and seen your picture. And he goes, hello, mama. <laughs> and the next moment, you get a call and you're meeting at some place, a blind date, and now... You've had to spend money on a dress, put maybe new makeup, some deodorants, couple of, a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand or two has gone out your account. And then it's a big fat flop because you realize that the guy is a loser, maybe a bruiser, who knows? But what happens is, <laughs> so what happens is, that's a big flop. And two, three days go by, you start to work through all those feelings and you realize, geez, I looked so desperate. Why did I do that? You know? And you know what? Yeah, you have to deal with compounded emotions that come with the, the very reason why you were lonely in the first place. And that is, you know, I'll never find someone to love me. Or, um, you know, maybe I'm just not that beautiful. Or maybe I just don't have what it takes. Or maybe I'm just ugly. Maybe I'm just out of shape. Whatever. Now all those feelings are flooding you and flooding you. Look at, look at the death that is reigning because you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to do it the right way. You've lost money. You've lost time. You've lost energy. Now for the next six months, you're miserable. You speak to your parents like they're dogs. You speak to your children if you've got like that. You've got no patience. There's no love in you. There's no kindness flowing through you. All it is is me, 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 myself. I, oh, woe me, woe me. I'm so terrible. <laughs> and then it doesn't stop there. It just gets worse. Because now you give up hope. Your heart is broken. And guess what? Now you peed off with everybody and you peed off with God. 
It's God's fault. He always gets the blame at the end of the day. And now you're not only dealing with loneliness, but now you're dealing with bitterness. This is death. And that happens for six months or eight months. Guess what? Six months, eight months of your life, you got sucked into yourself. And guess what? You never grew one minute in the spirit. Now what happens after that six, eight months, you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm over all that stuff. You go to church once or twice, the loneliness kicks back in and it's stretch out my hand to tinder. Maybe this time it'll be better. Mm. Or maybe I go to the local pub where you know the oaks there are not marriage material, but you're so damn lonely, let me go down there anyway. Are you with me? That's how you stop growing. And the same principle takes place with your finances. Same principle takes place with your health. The same principle. And guess what? We just go through that cycle of death over and over. Now we're 30, now we're 35, now we're 40, now we're 50. When are you coming to the point in your life that your flesh is dead? It is death. In Romans, Romans 8, uh, I think it's 5, Let's go there quickly. Before we get there, should we take the opposite? Let's take the opposite. So you're feeling lonely. And you want to put that, that funny pouting picture up on, uh, on Tinder. <laughs> you, know, you, got, you girls, you've got to be so careful of this stuff, I'm telling you. You know, when a lion prays, okay, on a buck, he doesn't go for the big strong one in the front. He goes for the one that's limping at the back. That's his first one. If you know anything about animals, that's how they, they, they do it. So who's the limping one here amongst the ladies? It's the ones that are... <laughs> and let me tell you something. Those lions are lacquer hungry. And you think you're doing something so, so good for yourself because the world has told you that. Are you, are you with me? Right? So, so just be, I don't know, it was a side note, but just be careful of that, okay? But now you're feeling lonely and you want to take that, that phone and go onto Tinder or whatever and you say, you know what, Holy Spirit, will you just love me? Holy Spirit, would you just make me feel the value that I need to feel right now? And you do whatever you have to do to kick up against that thing, and you fall into the loves of the one who truly loves you. Amen? And the next moment, that feeling dissipates, because remember, the feeling in itself is a lie. It has no power. Okay? You have the power over the feeling. So now you connect with the Holy Spirit. You... you Get your focus right. One day goes by, two days go by. You're at discipleship school on a Wednesday and you're getting fed some good spiritual food and there's a word from the Holy Spirit right there in the middle of the session. Man, and you, you're pulling out of it, pulling out. Sunday comes, you're worshiping with the guys. God's presence is all over you. The next moment, what's happening? You've pulled right out of that thing. Traction has come. Are you with me? The tra- you've pulled right out of those feelings. Guess what? 
You end up going out on Friday with a bunch of uh, pure friends, wholesome friends, maybe to for dinner or whatever, and they encourage you and you get built up and that feeling dissipates even more and even more. And now instead of, instead of being out there like the sick little buck at the back of the, of, of the, the what do you call it? Flock, herd, the back. You're right in the middle, in the middle of counsel, and the Bible says that a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom in it, amen? And wisdom is keeping you. God's presence is keeping you. Love is flowing through you, and your feelings are not dictating to you. And the next moment, it's one good thing after the next good thing, and God says, winners win more, losers lose worse. He says that which you have, even the little that you have will be taken from you. But those who have a lot, more will be given to them. And that's how the more comes, and the more comes. And the next moment, you're not even thinking about yourself, and you go to a, a bra with all your Christian friends, and there's a young man there who's looking for a wife or looking for a partner, and he looks across the room and he goes, wow, that's a solid chick. Wow. I like the way her head is screwed on. She's not needy. She's not weird. She's not too emotional. She's not a gold digger. <laughs> I'll make that woman my wife. But if you're not flowing with the Lord, you're delaying the promise. Are you with me? It's just a choice. At the end of the day, when we look at it in hindsight from this side of, of those two scenarios, it's just choices. It's decisions. Did you give in to your flesh or did you trust and pursue the promise of God? Who he says he is. Man, what, you, what he says you have. We don't want to live in cycles of death, guys. When are you going to get tired of those patterns? You have to. They have to sometimes get tired of the pattern. Amen? And each and every one of us have different patterns we do. Some, some it's the loneliness and dating. Some it's money. Some it's just, man, we're so fleshly we can't close the fridge door. Are you with me? It all results in a costly, costly cycle of death at the end of the day. Sorry that I have to bring the consequences to you because that's wisdom. Amen? That's it. It's wisdom. This is how it is. Uh, we don't want to see you guys in any patterns that hold you. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a holding pattern in your thoughts and your emotions. And you can't get broken out. You, I mean, you can't break out of it because it's, it's holding you there. Amen? What's more frustrating than going two steps forward, one step back? Two steps forward, one step back. Oh, it's terrible. What a terrible life. It's really a sad thing. <laughs> but I think you want to go, was it Romans 8? Romans 8 verse 5. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go, go to Romans quick. 8 verse 5. Yeah, 8 5. <clears throat> let's read that together. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Next verse. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. Come on. Amen. Why would we want to choose anything other than life and peace if it's available for us? Mm. To us. 
Amen? Anyone want to throw out a scenario that we could add to the carnal-minded person or one of the cycles? Good question. Very good. So, for those who didn't hear, the, the, <laughs> okay, the illustration is the Amish, right? Yeah. Everyone know the Amish? You know? Those guys who don't have electricity and, you know, they, they don't drive in cars, you know, because that's all sin in their belief, you know? It's, it's, it is that. And uh, you, you asked, okay, then we need now to measure what is carnal and what isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Very good question. So, I think let's, let's take it back to this one. Uh, Romans 8, 5. Uh, actually, let's go to 7 uh, and 8 as well. All right? Um, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. All right? So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right? Now, when we talk about the flesh, right, in, in discipleship school, we broke it down. We understand that the flesh is any mindset, viewpoint, paradigm, perspective, right, that is being held in your soul but was formed independent of God. Are you with me? All right? And that's why it says there is that it is uh, uh, enmity against God and it, and it cannot be subject to the law of God. Are you with me? Because why? It was formed with outsourcing. That's going to be a buzzword now. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a buzzword. It was formed with outsourcing. So, and, and anyone who is in uh, the flesh cannot please God. Now, I'm not, I'm not uh, um, very familiar with the, the roots of their beliefs, the Amish people, okay? But hypothetically, right? Let's say that they've taken that if we live according to these restrictions, we will please God. Or this is how we become. I'm saying hypothetically. I'm not, I don't know the detail. But I'm giving an example, right? The Bible says that without what, it's impossible to please God. Without? Faith. And here in Romans, Paul's telling us that the carnal mind cannot please God, right? So we agree that faith and flesh can't be together. You guys agree? Right? So the principle is this, is that hypothetically in that scenario with the Amish, let's say this is how they are going to please their God, right? If we are now as believers, right, if we choose a way to please God independent of what he tells us, that is carnal. Because we've developed a logic, a perspective, a belief independent of him. Are you with me? So, for example, a lot of people do a lot of good Christian things. Why do you do it? No, I just want to be blessed in life, you know, and, and, I, and I want God to be happy with me. I want to be, you know, right with God and all that stuff. That's a carnal belief. Because the Bible tells us that we only write with God through the blood. You understand what I'm saying? And this is where the rubber needs to meet the road, guys, is because there are varying levels of carnality in different areas of our lives. Are you with me? But when we come to the moments now, for example, let's take the loneliness, right? And this is how, as a believer, you are to move from carnal to spiritual, right? From flesh to faith, 
right, is that when the loneliness comes up in the, the latter example, right, you don't have the opportunity to fight it. You don't have the strength, the ability to fight loneliness, right? If anyone says, I can, tell me how. How do you fight a feeling? Any takers? Is it going to be a fist fight? Is it going to? Oh, Ash. It, you can shout it out. It's fine. I'll repeat it. <laughs> okay, that's the spiritual exit point. I'm, I'm going to repeat it when I get to my point because he's giving the correct answer here. <laughs> right? But let me ask you something. If you are sitting here in this seat right now and anxiety comes up in your heart, what are you going to do to fight it? You're going to put on some anxiety boxing gloves? You're going to do laps outside? You're going to go find someone outside who looks like anxiety and smack the snot out of him, what are you going to do? Because you see, herein lies, yeah. Pray. Okay, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, she's, she's, so, so here's the principle, right, is that in and of now that anxiety or that loneliness, you don't have an answer in yourself. And this is what you need to accept about the flesh, about carnality. You don't have an answer in yourself. Because if you had an answer in yourself, you would not be experiencing those things. Are you guys with me? So then, what is the good news that we've been given? Like we say now, if we have anxiety, right? We go to the Word, and the Word tells us that, what did you say? Be anxious for nothing with thanksgiving, pray. Yeah, Philippians, somewhere there. Yeah. 100%. And what does it say? It says that the peace of God which, which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and mind. Now, can you see now that that word is true for who we are in Jesus? Listen to what I'm saying, right? Because that is a promise fulfilled. So if you are in Christ, that is what you have. You have the ability to release your anxiety to him. Are you with me? But you will only do that if you have a mind governed by the Spirit. Because what you're going to try and do when you have a mind governed by the flesh is that you're going to hack your body to try to generate different feelings. Right? Someone who's depressed, it's always substance abuse, or it's relationships, or it's whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's all hacking this meat suit to try and numb out the feelings. But Jesus is saying, let the thing die, like I said. <laughs> let the thing die, because that is your old man who died with him. What you have now in the new man is wholeness, is peace, love, joy, fulfillment. You have worth. Are you with me? So us as believers, it's not about going out there and filling stadiums, guys, and doing all that stuff. If you want to walk as a disciple of Jesus, you need to, in the moment where the loneliness comes up through faith, you need to make the decision that I can experience this fulfillment in Jesus. And you need to keep making it and persuade your heart about this word to the point where it opens to God and you tangibly experience it in your heart. Are you with me? 
it's not just a mindless psychology of like, no, I'm just going to change how I'm thinking. No, no, it's this persuasion of your heart that, you know what, I'm, my heart's going to open to God. I'm going to open my heart to God. Like in that example, Holy Spirit, comfort me right now. Because why? The Bible tells us he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So your, your, your shortest route, ladies and gentlemen, to experiencing the abundant life and the peace of God is not your problems disappearing. Your shortest route is that in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your pressure, right? Stand in faith. Stand in faith, right? Be patient. What does patience mean? Biblical patience is not changing or buckling under pressure it's not time it's not changing or buckling under pressure and when you stand in faith you are standing apart from yourself because you are then standing in Christ because you're only truly in faith when you choose to stand on this word oh, I don't know where the next paycheck's gonna come from I don't know if we're going to hit revenue, I don't know, you know, yes. When all that pressure hits you, as a child of God, based on the truth of who you are in Christ and the Spirit of God inside of you, what must you do in that moment? You take a deep breath. You quieten your mind and you open your heart and you say, Father, right now, I'm choosing to believe your word that you are my provider. And man, you're going to feel the love, you're going to feel the peace. You're going to take a deep breath, you're going to smile, you're going to walk out. And 10 minutes later, you're going to feel the pressure again. What do you do? Take a deep breath. Close your eyes. You open your heart to God. Say, Father, I'm choosing to believe that you are my provider. You are true. And this principle of keep doing it, that now is how we walk into persuading the heart. We're constantly giving it evidence to believe that God is true and everything else is a lie. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. Don't be of this world. You're in it, but you don't have to be a part of it. Amen. You know, those of us who look to God and don't look to the system to satisfy us, we are hated. We actually put a spanner in the spoke of the whole system. The system is, is thriving and it works on the fact that you will Sub, uh, um, subscribe to all of the solutions. Are you with me? The moment that you can deal with greed in your heart or deal with materialism in your heart, never again will another ad on television make you a part of the market. You're out of the market because you know how to deal with your money. You know what I'm saying? All those loan things that come up on your account, you have 150, you have 200,000. Come get a loan, come get a loan. You know what? The world hates it because when you know who you are and you know who you trust and you know that you're a man of patience, you come out of the system, the system can no longer dictate to you. It can no longer grow off you. Are you with me? And that's what God is saying. He's saying, deal with those things in our hearts. Come out of the world. Come out of the world. You speak to these big businessmen and, they, and, and you mishear them. Some of them donate to social justice causes and all this kind of stuff. And... Uh, then when they get into the big uh, uh, stock, stock market meetings and, you know, all the guys who own shares, what are the shareholder meetings? And uh, they know that the product is causing damage to people. But at the end of the day, their greed says, you know what, we, we're not making the decisions, we're just shareholders. 
We're just shareholders. We're making money off of it. They're feeding the monster. Are you with me? They're feeding the monster. We've got to get out of this, this thing. We're not allowed to feed the monster. God says, you're not, a, you're not of this place. You, are, you belong to Him. You are His children. You are people of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? Be real with yourself this morning because nobody else can. Only you know exactly what's going on in your heart to a certain degree. God knows the rest. But be real with yourself and say, you know what? I'm carnal when it comes to food. I'm carnal when it comes to money. I'm carnal when it comes to feelings. I'm carnal. I'm such a mood swinger. I'm, I'm so up and down. I'm, you know, just be real with yourself. Only you can. You're the only one that knows how you are when nobody's around. Make a decision today, you know. You know, Lord, I, w- I don't want to walk in death anymore. I don't want to walk in a carnal mind. I'm a spiritual child. I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual woman. I'm making a decision today. I'm making a decision today to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. I'm rejecting everything that the carnal mind tries to get me to believe. I'm doing that in the power of the image that I carry in my heart of who I am in you, Jesus, and what you've done for me through your death, burial, and resurrection. I am truly dead and alive in Jesus. I'm going to live like that now. Amen. Give Jesus a big round of applause. Come on, guys. God is good. Amen. There is no other option. Amen. He is the solution. Have an awesome Sunday, guys.